0: This morning, I want to talk from a thought that I've been pondering during the week, been pondering for a little while. Uh, The name of the sermon this morning, uh, you could put it up for me, Jackaroo, is Truth for a Lie. Truth for a Lie. I think there are people in this room and in our world that have exchanged the truth of God and what He has for your life for a lie. And I want to talk about that this morning. I want this morning to be almost a bit of uh, of a check. It's almost like a recalibrate of your world. We we live in a society at the moment where we're bombarded consistently by different opinions, uh, different thoughts, different value systems that are contrary to the Word of God and His purpose and His plan for our lives. And I was so blessed by Pastor Irene's uh, uh, communion this morning because it's exactly what I feel God has put on my heart, that people are not only exchanging truth for lies, but they're accepting them. Um, and they're not realising that they've snuck in. And I want to talk about that this morning. I want us to re-evaluate together what we're considering, what we're pondering in our personal worlds. Do you know, often I think personally a lie uh, initially can seem very attractive. Let me give you an example. I was speaking to my mother this week. And we tried to uh, figure out the year I was in at school. I was either in prep, grade one or two, because then after that we moved from Geelong out. And there, there is a timeless activity that takes place in schools. It's happened for generation after generation after generation. It's called show and tell. Give me a wave if you've ever done show and tell. Even the name is genius. It's show and then it's tell. It's amazing. Now, I remember being around six or seven or eight, and we were doing this timeless activity of show and tell. And as we worked our way around the circle, I became insecure about what I had brought to show. You see, what I had brought to show was who, if you've ever created this, it hasn't been done for, actually haven't taught giant yet. Do you know Paddle Pop sticks? Does everybody remember them? Do you know there's a way you can make them into a Frisbee? And when you throw them at fires and when it hits the wall, they explode. And I thought it was brilliant. So I brought it to school to tell my friends, to show and to tell. And I'm like, wow, that's a really cool robot. I'm like, whoa, that is the biggest dollhouse I've ever seen. And I started looking at my five Paddle Pop sticks going Really should have put more thought into what I was going to bring. But the problem is, a great teacher mirrors the excitement of the child. Look at my robot. Wow, what a great effort. Thank you for bringing that in. I'm like, oh man, I've got to impress her. So I had no forethought in what I did. It just came out of me. As it came around to me, I said, yeah, I've got some paddle, stick, paddle pop sticks, but... My mum's having a baby. It just came out of me. But man, did the teacher get excited? Wow, that's fantastic. I'm like, meet that, everybody. Trump life. Trump life. So anyway, the teacher must have been super excited about it because guess what happened? At the end of the day, she made a beeline for my mum to congratulate her on her pregnancy. Now that's an awkward conversation. Two things are happening here. The first thing is happening. Have you ever said to someone, Congratulations on your pregnancy, and they go, I'm not pregnant? That happened in this scenario. And then my teacher went to panic mode and she went, But he told me. Now, see, in the moment, all day, I had lived in the lie. I'd lived in the lie, it was good. you know The lie had its appeal and, and, and in the moment I would felt like, yeah, this is amazing. This is what's happened. It's awesome. Yeah, it's going on. I'm going to be a big brother. But guess what happens with every lie? Eventually the truth will leave you exposed. The truth will leave you exposed. And I remember the teacher saying, but Charles said you were. And mum turning to me and saying, Charles, why did you say that? And I remember looking at her and with all my heart I said to her, I don't know. It just happened. It just came out of me. See, here's the thing. I want to turn to Genesis chapter 3 this morning. I want to talk about, I'm just going to organise myself because I naturally land in the blind spot and I'm going to fix that. Genesis chapter 3, the first lie. Sin enters the world in this scene. Now, what I'm talking about this morning, I am not by any means saying that, that what happened could have been avoided. It was never going to. This is what happened. It could have been any one of us. We, they're, they're representatives of us ourselves as we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But I want to look at this scene and I want to talk about it this morning as we recalibrate what we listen to, what we ponder, what we think in a fallen world, in the world that we are exposed to. So I want to start in Genesis chapter 2 verse 25 and then I'm going to work my way through chapter 3 to about verse 12 and then I want to just ponder this scenario and I want to talk a little bit about it this morning. So let's pray. Dear heavenly Father, thank you for This morning, I just pray that, Lord, you would speak. Let your words, Lord, uh, just hit home this morning. And I pray that that anything that is me, Lord, let it fall to the ground. But I pray, Lord, that today people leave here inspired, that they leave here, Lord God, taking a hold of your truth, the authority of your word and your plan for their life. And everybody who wants to receive that this morning said, Amen. Amen. So Genesis chapter 2.25 reads this. And there's a point. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other animal of the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or it will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Crazy scene sad scene and you know when I pondered upon this the, this week and, and and looked at it I I can't believe the, the the picture that that's going on here you know in reality there, there are people that are innocent they're, 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 they're living in relationship with God and it's unbroken and then you have the serpent that has been separated from God because of sin and deceit. You know, this morning I want to present to you something that I believe started the thought process in my mind. And I want it to do the same in, in starting our thought process this morning. Is this, in chapter 25 of verse 2 of Genesis, it says that they were both naked and felt no shame. Now check this out. Naked is a picture of innocence. It's unadulterated, unbroken relationship with God. It's absolutely beautiful. And this is what the word sounds like in the original language. Jackie, could you could you hit play on that if it will work? Strong's H6174, arome. Arome. Everybody say arome. You just said naked awkward. Anyway, The next word in verse 1, when it talks in the New King James, it uses cunning. Another way to describe this word is sneaky or crafty. It's now talking about the snake. And have a listen to this word in the original language. 6175, arom, arom. The second entry, arom. Thanks, Jackaroo. Now, if you think about that first word for naked, arom. The word for cunning, erum. They're almost exactly the same. But yet one is a picture of innocence and relationship and connectedness. One is a picture of absolute deceit and not wanting that for them. See, here's the thing I've quickly realised. Is that the enemy tries to look exactly like the genuine article. You see, the best counterfeits are often the ones that are as close to the genuine article as possible. In fact, a step further, you could say that the best lies come mixed with truth. You see, the enemy is deceitful, is crafty. And if you have a look at this, oh, I'm blown away by the scene and the fact that there's a relationship with God and then there's something crafty, something sneaky that came in to bring separation can slip in without you even noticing it. This morning, are there things in your world that maybe without you even realising because it looked like such a genuine article that it's crept into your world and maybe it shouldn't be there? Are there things you're listening to, seeing, watching, reading, pondering that looks like the genuine article but isn't? I want to talk about that this morning. This is my first thought. Be careful what you're listening to. Listen to the right authority. I look at this scene. I ponder. Think about it. The first thing is that uh, I think, why wasn't Eve surprised that a snake was talking? This is just the reality of the world I live in right now. Now, I know in the Bible that, that obviously animals can be used. We saw a donkey spoke. We know that a serpent spoke. We know that when you get into the theology of it all, obviously that snake, it, it was a depiction. It was Satan and it was, it was being used. But in that moment, I, I, I ponder and I, and I think, why, why on earth are you not surprised when a snake is talking to you? But often it's that silly, but yet we listen. Often there are things that if you were to take a step back from the scene of your life and you were to look in, you'd go, why was I listening? See, I think about that snake and I think that snake is coming in. There is no prior relationship Eve has had with this animal. Adam has had with this animal, but yet it's taking advice from something it's never had prior relationship to over the direction of something that it's had creative relationship with, an intimate relationship with. It's this new relationship that's come out of left field, making you question what God has already established in your life. You know, I've got a word for someone in this room right now. Be careful of fly-in, fly-out relationships that give you advice that can affect major decisions that you put in your life. You see, because what can happen is they'll fly in and they can give you opinion And then they leave and don't have to live with the consequences. Be careful who you're listening to. But for me, it went beyond that. It was an animal. It was a snake. You see, in the Bible, in Genesis 1, I believe it's verse 26, it reads this. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule, have dominion over Be in charge of authority over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God has given authority to Adam and Eve over this snake. Now if we go to the next slide, this is is what I feel in my heart. On your left-hand side, if you have a look at this, this is what's happening in, in that picture. God and His authority. He's all authority. In fact, any authority that anybody gains is because God has allowed it to be that case. And in Genesis chapter 1, Verse 26, God is giving delegated authority to Adam and Eve to have authority over all animals, no matter what they are. So then the phone is down is that Eve is talking to a serpent. Adam is present. They're there in community with a serpent. Now what's happening is they're beginning to take information and, and opinions on board over something that they should have authority and rule over. See, the order is all out of whack here because I think one of the lies of the enemy is he's going to come in and he's going to try and get you to mess up the priority and the orders of your life. They're going to come in and they go, yeah, God, your, your wife, your family, uh, your church, uh, work, you know, that a godly order in life, but all of a sudden they go, no, no, you need to put work over your family. You need to make money. You, you need to make money for them. No, they need your presence. In the home, they need your leadership. They need your direction. You see, what happens is the enemy has come in and instantly the authority is out of order. They're taking an opinion on board over something they have authority and rule over and not listening to where the true authority lies. That's from God. But yeah, it's funny as we look at Adam and Eve and I don't know if you've ever pondered the thought, well, if I was there, but this is the reality of our word. You've got God's and his word, the the authority for your life, my life, comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ and the manual is through the word of God. You need to know what's going on. So what's happened is God has given the authority to us. You see, in Luke 10, 19, it says, I have given you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions, in essence, to overcome the power of the enemy, Nothing will harm you. So what's happened is you've got God and his authority, giving authority to us through our relationship with Jesus Christ. But yet for some reason we know where the authority comes from. We know where it flows. But yet we listen to worldly influences and philosophy over the word of God. You see, what's happening in the garden can happen today. So this morning, the first question that I want you to ponder, write down what are the, what is the priorities and the order of your life and who are you listening to? People not basing their thoughts and their decisions and their convictions off the word of God but are allowing worldly influences to direct them. It makes no sense because it's out of line with the order of authority. But the thing is, is that as we started in Genesis three one, it says that the enemy is sneaky, and is cunning, and is smart about it, and maybe the order and the priority of your life and where you've been taking information from. It, it, it has sneakily been altered. I, I'm asking the question. I asked the question of myself this week because has it happened without me knowing? And this morning I need to recalibrate. I need to bring it back to basing off the Word of God. You see, I'm going to name a few things. Now, now in, in disclaiming this, I am not against movies. I am not against music. I am not against, but what I am against is that if you are listening to things, but don't have the foundation of the Word of God in your life, you can't decipher what's right and wrong because you don't know. You need to know what, the God, what God is saying about marriage, about divorce, about uh, your health, about your finances, about your relationships, that the Bible has in it the answers on how to live a fruitful, God-fearing and blessed life. But do you know the answers? I think about it this way. Um, if you're going to go into to a movie or you're going to go into listen to music and allow that to play and allow that to enter into you, do you have the maturity to decipher what's right and wrong? I think about it this way. Don't watch movies if you don't have the foundation to understand what's right and wrong. You wouldn't give a child, a baby, a really sharp knife. Because there's no maturity and depth in them to understand what they're holding, what they're dealing with, and they could end up hurt or disillusioned. So there's things that are out there, music, movie, media, friends, books, newspapers. What are you listening to and what are you basing your opinions off? I struggle with the first thing I hear seems to be in my mind always what's right. I heard it first. I'm like, no, that's the way it is. But that's not always the case because what's right and what's truth is the Word of God and nothing else. So do I go to that first? This is what it says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. It says, Be strong. This is God talking to Joshua and courageous. Be careful to obey the law, the Word of God. That my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. Be successful in whatever you do. You see, he's saying, God is saying to Joshua, Know my word, know what it has, know the foundation it builds on your life, know what it is. And then once you know what it is, don't go to the right, don't go to the left. That's opposite but right for you. I nailed that. See, the key there is knowing the Word of God, applying it to your life, and you'll live successfully. There are many people in our world and their life is falling apart. Now, we all go through seasons of that. And, you know, you know trials and hard times are part of God's ability to develop you to fullness in hope. But often some of the dramas we go through is because the foundation on what we built the authority off in our life has been amiss. Today, I want us to review what we're listening to. Build your life off the right authority. If something has snuck in and shifted your value, bring it back. I think the key in knowing the word of God, if we go to the next point, Jack, is to be clear in your understanding. Now, let's think about this for a minute. I'm adamant that understanding assists you in your obedience. Now, if you saw a sign that said no dogs allowed, what does it mean? That there isn't a dog allowed, correct? Is that correct? All right, have a look at this sign. What does that say? It says no, dogs allowed. Have a a look at it. No, dogs allowed. (laughs) So it's like you're going away with your, oh, I can't have a dog here. And then the owner's like, no, 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 no. Dog's allowed. But you see, because of our understanding of the English language, we know that that sign's been a little bit of a mistake. Because we have an understanding, we go, okay, actually, no, they don't want dogs here. They're just really like, what they're really trying to say is, no, dogs are allowed. And I'm really trying to emphasise the no, but what's happened, it's changed the meaning. But with your understanding of what the original content of it, with understanding actually what it's really trying to say, it helps you. Let's, let's look at this one. Illegally parked cars will be fine. You know, I get sad when we print a brochure at this church and we get one wrong, but imagine hanging that bad boy up. Once again, we all laugh because we understand that the meaning of that is actually meant to be illegally parked cars will get a repercussion. They'll actually be fined. You see, understanding helps. In your obedience. This is very interesting to me. In verse 2 of chapter 3, it says, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it, or you will die. Now, there's two things going on there that I looked at and I thought well, Eve, in her understanding, should have been more on point. Because two things she does. The first thing, she actually doesn't even mention the tree. If I'm with my child and I'm with them and I say, do not touch that. And then they, they say, oh yeah, it's just that one over there in the middle of the garden. And no, it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The second thing is that in the earlier chapter in Genesis, Jesus says, uh, God says, do not eat it or you'll die. She's added, or if you touch it. You see, what happened is there's a breakdown in her understanding that there's something that's gone amiss. Uh, You know, the fact is, if you dive into the theology of it, technically, she she wasn't there uh, when God gave that command, but she knew about it. So clearly it had been communicated uh, to her. But the point was this, is that understanding, knowing helps you in your obedience If you're not clear on an instruction, seek out an answer in his word. If you're unsure about something, maybe you're, you're in a, in a uh, cafe room. You're in a, the break room at work and they're having a conversation about something that you know in the core of what you've absorbed in church and, and understanding that it's not right. But, but do you know where it says it in the Bible? Find it. It's really easy. Email us, text us, find apps on your phones, get around a mentor, read books. There's ways to resource yourself because I want to encourage you this morning as very simply, if you don't know what's right, it's hard to understand and see what's wrong. You see, the media is crafty. They can present things that look fair, but not necessarily righteous And you have to be able to determine in this world, if we're going to be a church of influence, if you're going to live a life of influence, the key to success is knowing the law and not going from the right or to the left, but honouring God and His Word. Now, we don't need to be religious about this because we know that through Jesus Christ, we have received righteousness through faith in Him. We all fall short. But the key is what I'm talking about this morning is that on that level playing field, let's strive after knowing our God more intimately. So that we can understand and see the environment of our society and be able to move and navigate through it effectively that brings God honour and glory. Understanding is big on that. Are you clear in your understanding? I want to encourage you to try and develop answers scripturally to the questions that are in our society. Prepare yourself, equip yourself, ask us, we'll walk with you through it. Because our goal is that what I preached three weeks ago is that through your deeds, through your life, God gets all the honour and all the glory in Jesus' name. Moving on to my third point. What I saw out of this was be careful what you consider. When the woman saw the fruit on the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it, ate it. She gave to her husband who was with her, he ate it as well. Pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. So crafty, the power of suggestion. If we go to the next slide, Jack. Be careful what you consider. What's really interesting is that what, what Sim will do is it will make you focus on the benefit and not so much the consequence. Do you know the statement that she that is written there is? She saw the food was good and pleasing to the eye and desirable for wisdom. So effectively that statement is she saw the fruit and saw it was good for gaining wisdom. Do you know what statement is just as accurate? She saw the fruit and it was good for death. You see, both those statements are just as accurate, but yet often sin and it will present the benefit without the actual consequence. You have to be very careful with what you consider. And what you allow because the Bible's clear on what we should consider and what we should think about. Family, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Tiggs, are might get you to come up. See, this morning, this is what I wanted to do. There were sort of three processes to to my thought, and then I want to land in this this point. To check what you're listening to, I wanted you guys to determine what you're allowing into your heart and into your mind. Check what you're listening to, what you're allowing in. The next flow was to be clear in your understanding. Whatever's coming in, understand where, where it sits and where you're at with it. So it's come in and now you're considering. But then the third one there is in what you consider is what's coming out. So what's coming in, understanding it and what's coming out. You see, we live in a world that's fallen. It's broken. We're unified in Christ. But in Romans chapter 1, there's a scripture that I read this week that changed my thought process. See, in chapter 1, Paul is, is beginning to, to drop uh, his theology in Romans. And, and what happens is it gets to a point where, where there was such sin uh, in the world that it says that, that God uh, allowed us to pursue uh, that sinful desire. And it says in that moment, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised they exchange the truth for a lie and they may not, never have even seen it coming truth for a lie As I prayed for you this week and thought about this morning, I think that there are people in this room that have let go of God's truth for their life in regards to their marriage, in regards to their personal walk, in regards to their dryness, in regards to their finances. And you've taken hold of a lie. My marriage is no good. I'll never be successful. There's no point in trying. There's no point in moving forward. That's not the truth of God. And that's not God's plan and God's purpose for your life. See, don't get me wrong. We've all been in the same boat. And my whole heart was that you would consider today the things that you allow into your world so that you can live a more effective life for Jesus. But the key is that if you've taken a hold of a lie, you need to let go of that to take a hold of God's truth once more. If you've exchanged God's truth for a lie in your life this morning, you need to take a hold of God's truth again. Clearly something you've been listening to has gotten in craftily and cunningly and that's how the enemy works, tries to look like the real thing, but the opposite spirit to what God has for your life. And without you knowing, sometimes it's crept in. Fear. Maybe you have exchanged God's truth of peace and joy to take a hold of fear. It could be in any arena. For your finances, you're living in fear. For your children, you're living in fear. For your family, yourself, you're living in fear. Take a hold of God's truth. He's planned and He's purposed your life. But in order to take a hold of God's truth, sometimes you need to let go. So I asked directly, are there magazines that have opinions you need to let go of? Are there TV shows with secular philosophy that you need to let go of in order to take a hold of God's truth again for your life? Because I think it's a sad picture when you think that they exchanged God's truth for a lie. It was all downhill. But see, the difference is this, is that God's redemptive plan was through Jesus. You see, we have authority from God through Jesus Christ because He sent Him to the world that if we've exchanged God's truth for a lie, we can take it back. So this morning with every eye closed, I might encourage everyone to stand. So with every eye closed, because I want people to have their moment with God. Dan, you can bring the lights down a little bit, purely just for privacy. If there's an area in your life or there's something that that has crept in, and the Holy Spirit is highlighting that in your heart this morning, and that you need to let go of that lie to take a hold of God's truth in your context. This morning... I want you to do that. Because we've talked about that if you ponder what you were listening to, be clear in your understanding and make sure that you, from that understanding, that's what you consider, you'll be able to take a hold of the truth of God for your life. But if you need to let go of something this morning, with every eye closed, would you raise your hand? There's been an exchange the wrong way. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Thanks. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna sing, you can pop your hand down. Christ died for you, he loves you. He's got your future covered. I, I love the statement that your past is your history, but your future is your destiny, you see. Take a hold of God's truth for your life and see it unfold into your future. So we're gonna pray this morning. So in unity together. There was a lot of hands that were raised, but could we all raise our hands together? God, right now I pray for our community. Lord, I just pray a spirit of wisdom would come upon every person. Lord God, that they could navigate through our society, through our world, Lord, effectively. Lord, I pray that there would just be, Lord God, just a desire to be in your word. A desire to know how to honour you in every aspect, every area of our life. Lord, right now, I pray for those people that uh, have been robbed of your truth for their life. And Lord God, we take it back this morning. Lord God, we take a hold of your promises. We take a hold of your word. We take a hold of your authority. And we say this morning that we live for you. Lord, I pray that, that as this song stipulates, Lord, it's a shift. There's new wine, a new season. Lord God, a new season, a new outpouring, Lord. Lord, we want you to make in us, Lord God, a holy people, a righteous people. Lord, I pray that we would not live with blinkers on, but Lord, we would be aware. So right now, Lord God, we pray for our community. I pray, Lord God, those that are out there that have taken a hold of the lies of the enemy, I pray, Lord God, that you would send us, Lord God, with our eyes open, our understanding clear of the plan of redemption you have for them, Lord God. Lord, help us to live ready and aware, Lord God, that you are coming. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is let's just sing this just for a moment and then we'll close in prayer make me your vessel make me an offering make me whatever you want me to be Amen. i can hold of your truth, that you would use us, you would transform us, you would change us. Lord God, we love you. With every eye closed this morning, I just want to quickly ask this question to everybody in the room, whether you've been here a hundred times, whether it's your first time here, how is your relationship with Jesus? How is your relationship with Jesus? Maybe you've never considered a relationship with Jesus before. Or maybe you've slowly drifted away and want to come back. This morning, if there's anybody in this room, would you just quickly raise your hands as I close in prayer? We'd love to pray with you. Is there anybody here this morning? Hallelujah. Just want to encourage you to come and see me after the service. Lord God, we thank you. We leave this place, Lord, in faith, knowing. That you're in control, knowing that the the work of the enemy, Lord, will never win. Because you've already won. And we walk and we live in that victory. But Lord, help us to live in the authority of your resurrection and the authority of that Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, Amen.